Welcome back to For the Love of Eastry. I'm Randy, and I'm here with my co-host, Donna. Hey. And we are here to talk about one thing and one thing only, as we do every episode, <laughs> the boss man, Bruce Springsteen. Today, we have a very special guest. We're very excited to bring Eileen Chapman, who is the director of the Bruce Springsteen Archives and the Center for American Music at Monmouth University. Hi, Eileen. Welcome to the show. Hi, thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. Thank so, you. Eileen, tell us a little bit about how the Bruce Springsteen Archives got started and how long it took to create once the idea was hatched. Yeah, so the Bruce Springsteen Archives actually began in um, 2001. Yeah, and it was um, a brainchild of uh, Backstreet's fanzine. Chris Phillips, Charlie Cross, those guys realized that uh, Bruce materials were becoming very rare. And, of course, they needed these materials for research when they wrote their articles. And when you were able to find them, there was an expensive price tag on them. Mm -hmm. And so they did a call out to fans around the world because they had that reach with the fanzine and said, you know, send us your Springsteen items and we'll find a place to house them. And they did. And they, they put these 700 items that they initially had collected in the Asbury park library. And you know, and I know that as Bruce continues to tour those artifacts and mementos and uh, magazines continued to grow. So it got to the point after um, a few years that the collection had exceeded the capacity of the um, library in Asbury Park. And there was a group called the Friends of the Bruce Springsteen Collection who monitored this collection. They helped to care for it, preserve the items, collect them, catalog them, create a, um, a uh, website. And they now started to collect items in their homes. And so the collection was now spread all, all over the world, I would have to say. And in, um, I'm going to say 2009, perhaps, I reached out to them to say, um, you know, would you consider bringing this to Monmouth University? We have, uh, you know, a library, we have space, we have, uh, we can make this collection accessible. I mean, that was, that was really one of the points was that the collection was no longer accessible because it was kind of spread all over the place. And initially they said, you know, we're really kind of doing our homework. We want to make sure it's in the right place. And then they reached back out and said, you know, we would like to talk to you about bringing this collection to Monmouth. And so in um, 2011, we brought all the pieces of this collection to Monmouth University. It was initially uh, a loan, a short-term loan. And then if everyone was happy, it would uh, be gifted to Monmouth. And so by the time it got to Monmouth University, there were 15,000 items in the collection. So it had grown quite a bit. The university provided a uh, climate-controlled uh, space for it. Um, and... Uh, there we went on until 2017 when Bruce Springsteen announced that we would also be his official repository for his papers and items as well. Wow. Uh, so at that point, I got moved over there full time. I was doing this part time. I was the associate director of the Center for the Arts also. So I got moved over there in 2017 and the collection has probably doubled since then. Wow. And uh, continues to grow. That's awesome. Yeah. So, Eileen, is the Center for American Music a separate entity from the archives, or is it all connected? 
It's all connected. So when you think of Bruce Springsteen, he's a chapter in American music, and he's certainly been influenced by people who came before him, by Woody Guthrie, by, you know, Bob Dylan um, and Chuck Berry and several others. And he's all now also now continuing to influence younger bands, emerging bands. Yes. And so it, it tells the broader story of not only Bruce Springsteen, but his place in American music. And it's it's our intention and um, that it, right now, you know, we're kind of tapped out for space. But as we continue to grow and expand to tell the story of American music and Bruce's place in it. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. Now, you mentioned that you worked for like um, a different kind of organization, but what's your overall background in your career and how did you kind of fall into this, what I consider to be a dream job? <laughs> it is definitely a dream job and I did fall into it. So um, I've always had an interest and a passion for music. Um, I opened the first all compact disc store in New Jersey back in like 1986 Um the building was sold in 2000. I went on to manage. And before that, I managed Mrs. J's, booked the music there. Um, I managed the Fast Lane, the Stone Pony. Oh, wow. I was the music coordinator for the Clearwater Festival um, with Bob Santelli and a few others, founded the Jersey Shore Jazz and Blues Foundation and created Riverfest, which was a huge um, jazz and blues festival in Red Bank, would attract 100,000 people. And so music, and then I went on to Mammoth to be the Associate Director of the Arts, where we booked the Pollock Theater, but also supported all of the arts on campus. Um, so when this came along, I just kind of, because I had brought it to Mammoth and was, it was really learning on the job at that point. You know, I joined the American Society of Archivists and uh, joined with this group that called themselves the Lone Arrangers, and they are... Um, <laughs> people who work in archives and museums with a team of one, they are a team of one. And so we all support each other. I've got relationships with um, the Woody Guthrie Museum and the Grammy Museum as well. Monmouth University is a Grammy affiliate. Mm -hmm. So a lot of this was just born out of my passion for music and my experience here in Asbury Park. I, I, I've been here since 1974 and you know, grew up in this wonderful city of music. Wow. Very cool. So you mentioned that the archives are consist of some memorabilia and Bruce's papers. So but what does it consist of? Yeah. Like so I can, are... I can tell you that. So it consists of um, uh, items that go back to a lot of it through the 70s and 80s. Um, but then we've got Bruce's family Bible. Oh, wow. um, we've got um, magazines. We've got newspapers. We've got um, posters, academic papers, um, fanzines, selected print material like ads, uh, eulogies. I mean, just oh, you wow. know, different okay. types of things. Um, newspapers, historic memorabilia, buttons, pins, bumper stickers, playing cards, uh, cutout dolls, uh, CDs, DVDs, cassette tapes, um, Bruce's mom's scrapbooks. Wow. Uh, boxes of, of newspapers that Bruce had collected as well. Um, so that's pretty much what some lyrics. Um, that's pretty much what we have in the archive house on campus. And then we, out of that, we create um, exhibits. So we have exhibits at the um, 
We have an exhibit at the Grammy Museum, Mississippi, uh, MTV at 40, I Want My MTV, where we have uh, Bruce's lyrics for Glory Days and Dancing in the Dark and, and a guitar there. We've got um, an acoustic guitar. We've got an exhibit that's just leaving the Woody Guthrie Center and going to the Grammy Museum in LA. It's Songs of Conscious, Sounds of Freedom, where uh, Bruce's clothing from the Born in the USA tour is there along with uh, some other lyrics and another guitar, some posters. Um, uh, and now we've got the exhibit at the, uh, we have an exhibit at the Ryman too, the Grand Old Opry, uh, the legacy of rock at the at the Grand Old Opry where we've wow. got Bruce's Tom Joad jacket and hat that he wore on that tour when he performed there. And now we've got this a big traveling exhibit that just opened at the Grammy Museum Experience in the Prudential Center in Newark That'll also go to the Woody Guthrie Center and then to the Grammy Museum in L.A. Wow. Do you have a favorite piece of memorabilia? It depends on the day. (laughs) Fair (laughs) enough. So what is the oddest piece in the collection? So I guess the oddest piece, and and you may have seen this in Freehold, was that Bruce collected this set of hotel keys through the (laughs) 70s and 80s and saved them. And this is this big bunch of keys that are in the exhibit. So that might be the oddest piece. That is funny. So changing topics a little bit, how does all of this connect to academia? Well, so we work with um, our history class, the history classes at Monmouth, um, where they've come in and they've recorded oral histories with us. Oh, I forgot to add, we also have oral histories. So they've um, conducted oral histories. They've transcribed them. They've been given um, class. They've been giving. Um, so what, what am I going to say? They've been given the assignment to do first-person research, where they've come up with a song title, a Springsteen t- song title, and then they've come into the university, into the archives, to actually conduct research and um, determine, you know, where did that song come from? What's the history of that song? Um, we've also worked with um, Middletown High School students. They created a documentary called Sonic Highways. And it was it tells a story mostly about the music scene in Middletown, but also, that also relates to the East Street Band because that's where little Steven grew up. Mm-hmm. And so this history class at Middletown South came in and created this documentary that was actually in the Asbury Park Film Festival. Wow. Um, we also provide uh, research materials for people that are doing a thesis um, or any kind of academic paper um, where we are there to provide research for, you know, researchers writing books, creating movies. Um, so really, it, it, it really kind of connects to academia in so many ways. We've had professors come in. So we now have two Springsteen courses at Monmouth University. And there are other Springsteen courses as well. There's one at Rutgers, there's one at Ryder. And these professors have come in to do some research to create their curriculum. Mm-hmm. Wow. So can just anyone visit the archives? Yes, anyone can visit the archives. So what we ask people to do is um, give us two weeks notice, provide a few dates, and then look at our website to see what we actually have and provide us with a list of what they want to see. Remember everything, our, our main 
focus is that everything in our collection is preserved. So everything is in archival boxes, in archival envelopes, in date order, alphabetical order. So when people come in, we need to actually get those materials out and ready for them. And then they sit in a reading room where somebody monitors their progress and and, um, and just uh, watches them have fun often. I would imagine. Um, you mentioned that there's a course at Monmouth. So we actually interviewed Dr. Kenneth Campbell last mm-hmm. season on our show. And it was fascinating to hear how he incorporates the music into his history course. We have, And then we also are going to be speaking with um, Professor Mazur from Rutgers as well to talk nice. about how he uses Bruce's music. Do you know if this is something that goes on in universities outside of New Jersey? And and how far, like I've, I've actually heard there's a course that uses Bruce's music in Italy. Like, do you know how far flung it goes? Well, definitely in Italy. As I said, Monmouth University is a Grammy uh, Museum educational affiliate. And so there are about, I'm going to say, 40 universities with which we meet quarterly. And uh, Professor uh, Marilissa Marola from Sapienza University in Italy is is one of our um, affiliates. And so we chat regularly and she does a Springsteen course there. You know, there's also a Springsteen religious course at, at Rutgers. And, oh, and, really? Yeah. I didn't know and, about that. It's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So I've seen Springsteen courses in religion, in history, in, I think one was in economics, which I thought <laughs> was really weird, but it, it kind of runs the course of, of just many different topics. Mm -hmm. And as I said, many of those professors had come to um, Monmouth to do research. I had one professor come from Canada. And while he was here, I got to bring him to the last jam at the upstage, which was a lot of fun. And then, you know, we had another group that came from France and I was able to bring them up to Tinker West's Halloween party. So if I can take the opportunity to connect, um, you know, researchers and visitors with the opportunity to connect with first person interviews here. We do that as well. I had a student come in from Japan who was writing her thesis and it was on um, 1970s working class musicians. And I got her an interview with Vinny Lopez because he was the drummer in the seventies for Bruce's band. So, uh, you know, those are, those are opportunities that we try to provide whenever we can. That's fantastic. That's very cool. Um, you had mentioned about the Springsteen exhibit the, it, at the uh, Grammy Experience and Prudential Prudential Center. Where is that going to be traveling to next? So after it leaves the Prudential Center in Newark, it'll go to the Woody Guthrie Center in Tulsa for 13 weeks. It'll be at the Grammy Museum Newark for until thir- March. Goes to the Woody Guthrie Center, which is also attached to the Bob Dylan Center. I think that opens in March. Um, and it'll be there for 13 weeks this summer. And then it will go to the Grammy Museum in L.A. in October of 2022. But when we put this exhibit together, when we curated this exhibit, we curated it for a, a 3,700 square foot um, museum. Hmm. In Newark, it's only 1,700 square feet. So we had to bring a lot of items back to the archives, you know, as we kind of picked in and chose what would be in this exhibit. So when it gets to LA, it's going to be a much bigger exhibit as well. Gotcha. Yeah. And we, there may be other locations, you know, we're talking about other locations in the United States and possibly Europe. That's awesome. Nice. We, we are definitely going to um, 
definitely going to check it out. Yes. We have. Yeah. So I would love to meet you there and give you the whole curator's tour. That would be fantastic. We'd love that. Yes. Yes. I I will definitely be in touch with you offline about that. Yes. Um, Aside from the collection itself, what other programs and events does the org do? I know that there was something about a symposium coming up next fall regarding the river. Like what other stuff goes on? Yeah, so generally we do uh, a conference every other year um, and we make it you know, meaningful in some way. It's either an anniversary of an album or something else going on. We had uh, the river planned for last year. And of course, with all the COVID uh, restrictions and protocols, we had to bump that twice. So we're going to combine it with Nebraska and shoot for fall of 2022 for that particular conference. Uh, we've done several others. We've also done a lot of um, interviews that we've uh, posted online with What's Up on East Street, um, Soundstage, and some others through the through the COVID period. Often we'll do movies, we'll do you know film premieres. We did the rehearsals for Bruce on Broadway at Monmouth, and then we screened the Netflix preview. Um, also at Mammoth, where Bruce had come to see it because he hadn't seen it yet. We've done evenings with Tom Zimney. We've done uh, different lectures. We did a Frank Sinatra symposium. We did uh, some um, art exhibits. So we did a Daniel Kramer, Bob Dylan art exhibit. We also did uh, Springsteen, an iconic journey with five different photographers uh, that shoot Springsteen iconic um, shots and, and album covers and cool. Um, geez, I can't even think. That's a lot. Yeah, it's been so long <laughs> since we've done anything in person that I've really forgotten. Right. <laughs> that's quite a lot. Yes. So are you a Springsteen fan? I am. Cool. What album got you hooked? So I think it was probably the Wild, the Innocent, and the East Street Shuffle. Mm-hmm. I got the first album when it came out. Um, greetings from Asbury Park. And I listened to it and I, I liked it, but I wasn't really hooked at that point. Mm-hmm. But when the follow-up album came out, I really loved that album. It's still one of my favorites to this day. Mm, I agree. Mm. So what is your favorite Bruce song? Again, depends on the day. Yes. So we, we I understand had a, that. I had a, create a curator's playlist for this exhibit, oh, as did Bob Santelli, who was my co-curator. And the Grammy team, who was our partners, were afraid that when we created these lists, they were going to be too similar. And I said, I don't think so. So Bob loves right. the really, um, the songs that are that you hear most often on the radio. Mm-hmm. And I love the songs that you don't hear more right. often on the radio. Right. Mm-hmm. So This Hard Land uh, is one of my favorites. Um, you know, Pay Me My Money Down from the Seer mm-hmm. Sessions. Yes. Um, uh, Sherry Darlin, maybe one of my favorites, it's a little irreverent, and I love that about it. So, you know, for different reasons, different songs on different days. I totally Understood. agree. Yeah. It's funny because all of our guests say that and we say that, like we'll say to each other, what's your favorite song today? Today. today. So what is your favorite song today? Uh, I don't know. I have to think about it. <laughs> I haven't, I haven't, what's yours? Oh my gosh. I just, I don't know. I, I, I mean, we, what were we listening to this morning at the um, at the the rendezvous, rendezvous. With the Spring Nuts Rocktober Rendezvous? Yeah, that's right. We listened to a lot of a lot of it. Thunder, yeah, I'm I was sorry. Yeah. sorry, I missed that. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm on the Asbury Park City Council too, and so oh. I had another 
thing I needed to do today. So I missed the spring nuts thing, but I'm glad I got to catch up with them in Freehold. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm assuming you've seen him in concert. Do you have any idea how many times? <sighs> no. <laughs> More than 50 or? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. same. Okay. okay. Definitely. Right. Have you met him? Have you met Bruce? Yes. And he's been to the oh. archives. How is he to work with? He's awesome. Yeah, we hear that a lot. Everyone he's says... He's just a really nice guy. Yeah. Okay. Did you also get to see the Broadway show? I did. So I, because we did the rehearsals at Mammoth, I got to see the Broadway show before it was even a Broadway show. Wow. And right. then I got to see that on Broadway, that iteration. And then I went up to... Uh, the St. James Theater for the Broadway show here, which I felt both of them were just a little bit different. I think Bruce was a lot lighter and funnier in in this last round. And I found myself actually belly laughing, I think probably for the first time after COVID. Huh. Really? I found it um, very entertaining. Interesting. Cool. And then we filmed the Woody Guthrie Prize um, Award. Bruce got the Woody Guthrie mm-hmm. Prize this yes. year, and we filmed yep. that out at out at his uh, barn at the farm as well. Cool. That's great. And we interviewed Bruce for some of the components for the exhibit, too. So what you're going to see in this exhibit is a lot of interactive components. So we interviewed um, some of the band members and Barbara Carr and John Landau about how you prepare for your day once it's a show day. Wow. You know, what That's you do. interesting. Um, Bruce also provided some uh, comments for another interactive we did where you create your own set list to Bruce's songs. So the interactive, I went through Bruce's um, handwritten set list and picked out 25 different set lists, but we pulled the encores out. And so the when you're there, you get to go on an interactive screen, you get to see the set list, then you get to create your own encore by dragging songs down. Then you get to um, compare that to the one that Bruce actually created. Wow. And then you get, you get to see to the go. handwritten set list then. That's, that sounds like a lot that of fun. Sounds, yeah, that sounds amazing. And so he talked about how he creates his encore songs, which I found was really very enlightening. So enlighten us. How yes, does he? Us. How so does he, he create them? Well, you should see it at the exhibit. You should we see, will. It out of, you we know, will, yeah. see this out of Bruce's mouth, not mine. But Understood. he talks about how when you end one song on a chord and you're going into another song, it's got to be a chord that's complementary at uh, the beginning of the next song gotcha. to the song that you're just coming out of. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. All right. So you got to know a little bit about music then. Yes. Yes. There's more to it than just like, hey, let's do this song because we like it. Right. <laughs> Much more. And that's that's what I would have thought. Yeah. Yeah. So how can our listeners get listeners get more information about the Bruce Springsteen Archives and the Center for American Music? Yeah. So you can go to our Facebook page, Bruce Springsteen Archives and Center for American Music, or our um, website, BruceSpringsteenArchives.org. Great. Awesome. And that is our show for today, my friends. Join us in our Facebook group for the love of E Street. We'd love to continue the conversation there. And of course, check out all the episodes of this podcast because we are on all the platforms. We are sponsored by Donna J Skincare, an all-natural anti-aging skincare company that believes your skincare should care for the health of your skin. Till next time from the swamps of Jersey. Have a good day. Thank you, Eileen. It was great talking with you. Thanks, everyone. Okay. Great to be a part of it.